the school that said maybe if somebody else says no. And it decision I made out of ego, obnoxiousness, maybe some discernment, who knows, maybe God works through my ego, um, to go to instead of the college that I'd always dreamed of going to. There are moments in our lives that forever alter where we go moving forward. Sometimes we're aware of it at the time. Sometimes we get a phone call about a job opportunity. And we know that this is going to mean a big difference for our lives. Sometimes there's a chance encounter with someone that we don't know it at the time, but it's going to forever Thank you. 
Peter and Mary Magdalene, we're going to talk about some people you may never have even considered, like Pilate's wife. That's a little... trying to mediate the conflict between Jesus and another group. The truth is that Pontius Pilate was anything but a passive figure. In the outer regions controlled by the Roman Empire, the primary grammar was money, wealth, and patronage. The prime measure of wealth was land ownership. If you own land, you could use the land uh, in the acquisition of more wealth through farming, industry, etc., But since Rome had the ability to kick anyone they wanted off of the land, large or small, if you wanted to own vast expanses of land, you had to keep the Romans happy. If you're King Herod the Great and you want to maintain your own autonomy over the region, over your region, you keep the Romans happy. sort of power or wealth at all, you keep the Romans happy. Anyone that served the Roman army well as officers, they could be granted ruling power
to Caesar and claims to be the Messiah. is saying this Jesus isn't on my level but consider the scene Jesus and Herod Herod is surrounded by all the trappings of being a king he has the wealth the privilege all the things of royalty that Jesus doesn't have and yet he is no king and here we are 2,000 years later gathered to say that Jesus is a king and really Herod's no kingness is highlighted by Pilate's presence Pilate sends Jesus to Herod, but Herod doesn't have any power to do what the temple authorities want. Only Rome could execute. Once again, we see that Herod might surround himself with the trappings of royalty. He might call himself king, but he is just as powerless before Rome's power as anyone else. Herod sends Jesus back to Pilate in costume, and Luke says that day they became friends. They became friends because that day they agreed on the same thing. Jesus was irrelevant, insignificant, not worthy of the rabble the temple authorities were rousing. Boy, were they both wrong. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who is inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. Once again, we see Pilate passing Jesus off as insignificant. He's not worth my time. Pilate has Jesus flogged, which is more a show of power than it is anything else. Think about it. Pilate says after examination, Jesus isn't guilty of the charges, 
but has him whipped anyway. Why? Because he can. The whole point of the flogging was to demonstrate power. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas has been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. We're going to talk about Barabbas next week, so I'll save the discussion of the comparison between Jesus and Barabbas for then. But to stay on Pilate, what has happened is Pilate has backed himself into a corner. He's dismissed the desires of the temple authorities, and his dismissal had led, has led to the crowd asking for something inconceivable. Put to death a man Pilate just declared innocent, and release a convicted murderer, and in Rome's eyes, a terrorist. As the crowd gets more and more riled up, Pilate would be getting anxious. Because if political miscalculation led to a revolt, he would be relieved of his duty and the emperor who would send someone else in his place, someone who could more effectively keep the peace. And remember, this is the highlight of Pilate's career. He's been working his whole life to get here. So if you're Pilate, and your dismissal of your allies' concern is putting the capital city of your province on the brink of revolt, what are you going to do? And the capital city of your province revolting would lead to you getting fired from the job you spent your career trying to get. Especially because we're talking about a person you've already deemed as insignificant. You're going to do what you can to make people happy. And that is exactly what Pilate does. He sends Jesus off to die. It's an amazing irony that the central moment in the history of the cosmos happened for reasons of political expediency. Probably the most famous action Pilate does in this episode happens in Matthew's Gospel. Pilate washes his hands. He makes clear the symbolism saying that he is not responsible for what is happening. That he is merely giving in to the wishes of the temple authorities and the crowd. Though he gives the order, they bear the responsibility. And this is where I want to talk about our own use and exercise of our power. How often does our use of our power mimic Pilate's? Pilate had a choice between following his conscience and releasing an innocent man, or going with the flow and ordering him killed. I think Pilate knew what the right thing to do was. And he knew what the right thing to do for his own self-interest was. And the two weren't the same. He chose self-interest. And his rationale for it was basically, I mean, what else can I do? How often do we hear from people involved in large-scale corruption, what can I do? I was just one person. How often do we hear the excuse from people, I was just following orders. I was just doing what I was told to do. What this piece of the Passion Narrative teaches us is that we do ourselves and our communities a great disservice when we fail to realize the power and agency that we do have. Pilate has absolute authority here. He can tell the people, I'm not killing Jesus, I don't care what you think, 
go home or I'll send the army to get you home. His power here is absolute. And yet he acts like he is powerless to do anything other than what the crowd wants. We are all powerful, whether we believe it or not. We have spheres of influence within which we can work for good in our families, in our places of business, in our communities. Pilate ought to teach us to use the power and influence we have for good and to be wary of the attitudes that say we are powerless to allow injustice, oppression, and evil. Sam Wells writes in his book, Power and Passion, yeah, that's a cool name, that in, that is, uh, yeah, never mind. He writes in this book, on one housing estate, there was a large empty field fenced off by the city council. Local residents had often asked to be able to use it for sport and recreation, but there were always civic reasons why it was not possible, mostly referring to the debris on the park and fears of litigation. One morning, two local parents arranged for a street of children to clear the park of cans, bottles, and other litter. They made sure the newspapers were aware. They did not tear down the fences, but they carefully dismantled all the local authorities' reasons for keeping the fences up. Soon, soccer matches start were being played on the field. The council seemed to be able to find sums of money for equipment after all. It became obvious that attempting to sell the park to a major retail developer would be politically disastrous. The, those two parents began with a bottle cleanup. Within weeks, they had a youth movement. It turned out they were not as powerless as everyone initially thought. He finishes with this quote. It's no use saying, really, there is nothing I can do. Politics begins when one realizes there is plenty one can do. 